0: There's no chance you would choose Fabezolette and then, you know, throw that into the Katakana machine and get 45 characters out of it. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops.
1: And we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome,
0: everyone. It is J-Pops episode two time. Uh, we have no guests this week. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to fly into our segments and... Uh, we uh we've got a lot to talk about today.
1: Yeah, I wanna I wanna go over some of our uh our wives current pregnancy statuses and uh kind of get into what we're doing in, in planning and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what is your wife's current week count? Uh right now she's at eighteen weeks and three
0: days. Oh boy. Down to the down to the day. Down to the day. Uh <laughs> our wives are uh About two months apart, Uh, my wife is at 25 weeks and a few days, so I guess more like seven weeks apart. Yeah,
1: so definitely more visibly pregnant. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm the trailblazer in all of these milestones that are coming up, Uh, but I'm probably less studied, so. um,
1: I don't know about that. I don't study that much. Yeah.
0: Do you, by the way, do you have pregnancy
1: books piled up at your house? We have a couple uh, we have two in Japanese that I don't know what they're called because mm-hmm. I never look at them. Mm-hmm. And then I have two in English, the what to expect when you're expecting and then what to eat when you're expecting.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I've got the English what to expect when you're expecting. And uh, I think it's in its fifth edition now. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the one I got. Yeah. I, we must The most have... recent one. So we're up to date on that. And it's just so overwhelmingly famous and popular in the United States. And uh, yeah. there are a few criticisms of it here and there. But um, in the end, you know, I looked it up on on Google and it had something like however many thousands of reviews. And it was like a 4.8 or 4.9 or something. So I thought the weight of public opinion is behind this book. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to miss out. So I got uh, what to Expect When You're Expecting from Mercari for a little bit of a discount. Oh, I'm surprised yeah. you found it there. Yeah, it's hit and miss. In the English, even. Yeah, right? the English one. What I like about that book, uh, I guess I would recommend it. I mean, it's it's massive. It's really thick. It almost feels like a college textbook or something. But the good thing about it is you can disregard so much of it because it doesn't apply to you. Yeah. You know, like the section headings might say, you know, something like, uh, what about smoking while pregnant or something? It's like, well, we don't smoke. It's not an issue. So you can skip over, you know, chunks of it. And then you don't feel weighed down by this massive book.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely lends itself to be skimmed more than read. Yeah. And it, it doesn't even feel like you should read it. Yeah. I think there are parts in the book where it just says skip here. Yeah. And then there's the dad section that says, hey, if your dad read this section. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's very user-friendly. Yeah, it's well mapped out. And um, I think
0: the the critiques that I've read, and I don't know if this applies to the current edition, I haven't gotten to that point myself yet, but um, there were a few critiques that the, the person who wrote the book is not um, themselves like a medical professional, but I believe the author consulted with several medical professionals as the editions went
1: by. That's my understanding.
0: Yeah, so I felt like the sort of scientific angle is accounted for in the book so i was kind of fine with it i was skeptical at first but in the end i've been fine with it yeah and um the other thing is uh i read in some reviews that um the author would then promote things like uh you know pseudo-scientific sort of approaches to things or like these kind of odd therapies or you know in terms of um Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but things like, you know, oh, try an acupuncture or try this or that. And then things that are not necessarily backed up by the scientific community. And then that seems to be uh, the main critique. But as uh, my wife and I have discussed it, it's like, well, it's such a, it's a massive book. And as you're saying, you can skip over loads of it. So then you just take what seems valuable, valuable to you from the book. And that kind of gets the job done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From my reading of the book, I never got the sense that it's like you need to do this you need to do this it's always more of a uh you know you could this is an option you don't have to like you can just skip this
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so that book turned out to be better than i thought um other books are available it should be said that's just the one i have experience with
1: yeah yeah it seems to be the most famous one which is why i got it as well
0: yeah cool well um Yeah, uh, aside from that unpaid advertisement for what to expect when you're expecting, what else do we got on the list? Always open to it. Yeah, yeah. Call us up, publisher. Um,
1: Yeah, my wife, uh, so far she's doing good. She's definitely past the morning sickness phase and feeling better. However, we've gone into a weird too-much-food-makes-her-uncomfortable-and-painful stage and... Certain foods make her uncomfortable and painful. Stage, mm. so like yesterday, I I think it was the day before, um, we made some some Thai food that was a little bit too spicy, mm-hmm. and it just killed her the whole night. Mm. Like she had horrible sleep. Her stomach was just like painfully, like she, it was it was bad for her. Yeah,
0: we've done. Uh, I mean, this was a while back, but my wife kind of went through the phase, you know, morning sickness was very early on and it was actually pretty brief and not too bad. Uh, and then the next phase was, um, this was first trimester stuff, but it was sort of, my wife would have dinner, you know, like fill up a plate and then put it on the table and then not actually want to eat it. And it was like, um, I guess just a bit of, uh, you know, baby's getting a bit bigger. Things are feeling a bit, different in the body and then she would realize oh it's dinner time but i don't really want to eat this dinner (laughs) and uh i mean she would then you know she would eat or nibble on this or that and it only lasted for a week or two and that was some first trimester stuff but she quickly got over it and she's like back to normal uh diet wise but she had that same kind of like you know not wanting to eat or you know things just
1: sort of didn't feel right i guess yeah like food wise I don't think Moe ever had the not wanting to eat. Hmm. It was always just the food was uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And and it still is. I mean, as the baby grows, it's taking real estate in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not much space. Yeah. And
0: both of our wives at this point are into what we call TC mode, which is toilet chance mode. Oh, for sure. And uh, (laughs) I think... My wife was born that way, just sort of like, you know, the regular bathroom breaks, like on a car trip or something. Yeah, definitely. uh, Now we are always on the lookout for a a
1: toilet chance, as we say in in Japanese. Yeah.
0: Toilet chance.
1: Yeah, we are as well. I'd say we're pretty good about it. Like, Moe's got the planning down, but it's still, I mean, you're in a car for more than 30 minutes, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You'll need to plan accordingly. Well, um, what else we got
0: on the agenda? So what planning have you done so far? Um, Planning-wise, we have rearranged the house a little bit. And this is one of those things that, for me, it kind of signified like, oh, this is real. It's not just the the idea of we're having a baby, but it's like, okay, now rearrange your house and make space for a roommate because someone will be here. Right. And, uh, that was, uh, kind of, you know, I'm sure you'll hit like dozens of those milestones as you go through the pregnancy, but that was a big one for me. Um, we have a two bedroom situation upstairs. One room is a bit smaller and that used to contain just our bed. And then the adjacent room was a bit bigger and we just used the closet space in there and it was empty, but we would like, you know, walk in there and use it as a massive walk-in closet basically. Okay. So, uh, one thing that we did, we decided to consolidate (laughs) and stop being greedy and just move into one room. So I dismantled our bed and moved it to the next room. The bigger room. Yeah. Yeah. So we took over the, yeah, (laughs) still a bit greedy, (laughs) uh, but we took over the bigger room. We've got our bed in there now for the first time. We are a single bedroom couple and, um, yeah, we, like our take on getting baby stuff is scan Facebook marketplace, scan Mercari, or if you hear word of mouth that somebody's giving up a lot of their baby stuff, then, uh, just go load it all up, take every bit of it and then sort through when you get home. Yeah. Cause and,
1: it's easy to get rid of baby stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, absolutely.
0: Uh, So we now have a room half full of baby things like a crib and, um, you know, little chest of drawers and then baby odds and ends like the kind of baby carrier papoose things. Well, uh, I mean, loads and loads of stuff, little seats and chairs and nice. all kinds of crazy stuff. Nice. Uh, so we're loading up and we're trying to go as free as possible or as like discounty as possible, as used as possible. That's yeah. the theme right now. But uh, how about you guys? Have you set aside space?
1: Uh, yeah. So planning, we haven't really done too much as far as baby buying has gone. Mm-hmm. But we, we do have a room dedicated in our house to be a kid's room when they do arrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to start doing some crib shopping and that kind of stuff pretty soon. I was looking for some deals, but there's some stuff I'm kind of apprehensive about buying mm-hmm. used, like a crib or especially if it's somebody I don't know. Yeah. So so we'll see. In the next couple of weeks, I, I plan to buy some more stuff, but right now, not much. Yeah.
0: I'm a big, um, it sounds a little like hippie-ish or whatever, but I'm a big reduce, reuse, recycle person. But then yeah. it does come up against like, we've got this <clears throat> new delicate baby in the house and you yeah. don't want to get some like half built or like, you know, falling <laughs> down sort of uh, piece of furniture for them. So that those two ideas come up against each other a lot. Yeah. And another thing about it is um maybe it's because I'm um, a child of the eighties, which was sort of the end of that era when, you know, you buy something and you keep it for the rest of your life. <laughs> like uh-huh. uh, I've often thought, you know, like uh, 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, If you spend a lot of money on something, it's like your bedroom suit or something. It's like we're going to sleep on this bed frame and use this chest of drawers until we die, you know? Yeah.
1: And now,
0: yeah. These days, if you spend a lot of money on something, it's a computer and you know it's going to die within three or four years and you just get (laughs) another one. And the amounts of money are sort of similar. And so I think now people are more used to sort of this disposable, like high dollar item.
1: But Mm. I'm still not. I still want things to last forever, basically. Yeah, I definitely do as well. Yeah. I de- but I, I'm cautious, uh-huh. especially about... I mean, I know things get broken. Everything has a limited use. So uh, your car door. Yeah. How many times can you open and close your car door before it falls off? It's more than you're going to be alive for yeah. sure, but it's going <laughs> to <Yeah>. happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's always my fear with that kind of stuff, especially with like newborn toys or cribs or anything yeah. like that.
0: Delicate baby stuff. Yeah. Well, for me... um, I feel like there's a lot of usefulness into like that's in a modern car seat. Like as you say like the belts fine, the you know the plastic frame of the car seat's fine, the cushions are fine, but then whoever bought it first only needed it for a handful of months and then it's back on the market again
1: used. I I'm going to go completely apps I'm never going to buy a used car seat. Oh yeah. First of all, they have exp- expiration dates. Oh, do they? Yeah. Interesting. So you have to be kind of cautious about <clears throat> when it was first made. Uh-huh. And I think it's on the bottom. I can't remember exactly right now, but I I remember looking at one point and they actually have it printed on it like milk. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. You yeah. be cautious furniture. of that. Yeah.
0: Well, I just um I feel like uh, if you walk into in Japan, you've got Second Street is sort of the physical location to get used stuff. Yeah. And only recently have I been wandering into the baby and child section of Second Street to see Gitto. what's there. And it's just overflowing because everyone yeah. only needs this stuff for a very short window. So I feel like it's a really good resource to kind of hop in and uh, get a lot of used things
1: there. Yeah, sometimes you can find some good deals there. I I think Second Street has probably got the better of the used stuff. Mm-hmm. There's another one in town called Book Off Yeah, that has a a sub store called Hard Off, and they mm-hmm. have a lot of used kid stuff, too, that's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. But it's definitely harder used.
0: Uh, part of me also <laughs> just hates the idea of, like, there's a good used item on a shelf somewhere, and then I'm ordering a new one to be delivered to my house when I could have like squeezed all the usefulness out of that used item. So that's in, in life, that's just kind of my setting. And then I've carried that over a lot into the baby stuff. I'll try to be more like you (laughs) (laughs) at the risk of your (laughs) child's safety. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's something that's hard to shake, but also the other problem is um, family and some friends really want to buy something for the child And um, Mm. I don't know if we talked about this before, but the best way to do this internationally is Amazon. You make a baby registry on Amazon, and that's pretty much the advice you'll find anywhere. Because the trouble is, you know, you could make a baby registry on Target in the United States, for example, but Japan doesn't have Target, and then like the shipping would be astronomical or not available at all. And it's just this massive problem if you were to make a registry like that. I don't even know if it's possible, actually. But uh, for Amazon, it's sort of worldwide, it works. You can search for things that are available in Japan, put those on your registry. And then people from any country can just purchase them at, like, no markup or anything. And you know that the shipping is within the country as well.
1: Has, has anyone purchased from your registry yet?
0: We haven't really unleashed the registry. We spent a week or two, like, loading things up uh, onto the registry. And we've got it pretty much done as we want it. We just haven't... Uh, it's that awkward step of sending out the registry.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, if somebody
0: without, without coming across needy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like, will you buy me something? And, yeah, you know, send that email out. Uh, but people do want to buy you things because they feel like it's yeah. their obligation. So it helps them to have this like handy guide yeah. of things to buy and you know get some high dollar items for people who want to go crazy. Get a lot of low dollar items for people who want to cobble together a purchase of you know in their mind. 30 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever they want to do. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, I don't know how many we have. Dozens, maybe 100 items on Amazon. I've got
1: 50 something on mine right now. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. And I heard that uh, our wives have scoured each other's Amazon baby registries yeah. and then added to our own respective baby registries. Yeah.
1: Molly told me she found yours and started copying <laughs> uh, all of our hard work. So stolen. If, we, if we ever start buying for each other, we're going to buy the same stuff for yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey, I know that rattle. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: Uh, that'll be deeply confusing. But what I've, my policy personally is, um, I've been anyone that's directly asked me for a registry or like said to me, I want to buy you something. Then I will, uh, I'll share the registry with that person. And then knowing that those people will then talk to other people who are in the family or in the group of friends, and then they'll disperse it, you know, hopefully
1: this actually brings me to uh, the next topic. Uh, Coworkers buying stuff off your registry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you going to share it with them or Uh, I've, I've had one coworker ask outright. Oh, really? So I will give it to
0: that coworker, and okay. that's what makes me think it'll be in the ether a little bit um, among the coworkers, and then um, it, you know, they'll know who to talk to. Because
1: so, that's not typically a Japanese thing. From my understanding, yeah. it's really uncommon. Even some people have never even heard of it before. Here. Yeah, and that's another reason that Amazon is the way
0: to go because it's got the sort of the Western sensibility of you know, it's set up for registries and, but it's also useful here. So if you tried to go to a Japanese company or site, um, they probably don't even have the option to put one together.
1: No, I've never seen it.
0: Yeah. So Amazon has to be the way, and then it'll be your sort of more, probably more Western minded friends, like your other, you know, expat friends will be the ones to think about it and ask for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah it's the same it's the classic Japanese thing of you go to a wedding and it's like you're on the Sopranos it's like envelopes of cash coming out of the jacket pockets you know it's more of a uh, the gift giving is just done differently and
1: registries are not a part of it I don't even think there's there's baby showers here, so yeah. I don't even think they'd give cash. I think it's more of just like a family thing after they're born. Although I'm not even sure about that. I doubt Molly's family will do that kind of stuff. There, I mean, there's a lot of help <laughs> to be had
0: um, in other ways. Like, um, I don't know if we're diving too much into a totally different topic, but well, like the mother, right after giving birth, I think, will be in the hospital for about a week, and then a lot of Japanese mothers will go live with uh, her own
1: parents. Right, yeah, I've heard of this quite a bit, actually.
0: Yeah. And I don't think the timelines are set in stone or anything, but maybe spend a few weeks or even up to a couple of maybe three months uh, where the mother lives with the parents. And in the old days, I think it was a bit more common. And if you had relocated to a new city, you would actually, you know, take your baby to the hometown, maybe a couple hours away or whatever, and then uh, apart from the father and uh, just get all the kind of get all the ducks in a row there like how to take care of the basic baby things
1: see i get that i get that but it's the whole being apart from the father thing that just throws me and just makes me go like what the fuck yeah i mean like yeah like first of all as a as a soon-to-be dad the thought of my wife taking our kid and just going somewhere else for a month is kind of crazy to me like yeah wait you, wait i'm not gonna get up and help feed this or like yeah. you just don't need me yeah <laughs> It, I've uh, I've said many times in the past that I think that
0: like Japan can be understood from the American perspective. Japan in, in many ways can still be understood as picturing it as like a leave it to beaver episode. Oh yeah. Like, you know, dad puts on his hat and his suit and he carries his briefcase and he goes to work and mom mm-hmm. stays home and is the homemaker. And that is not fully the reality in Japan, but it certainly exists in a more common way than it does in the United States anymore. Yeah. And so like this sort of, um, you know uh oh, leave the child rearing to the mother and you know the dad'll do what he needs to or whatever i think that again it's not the blanket statement that covers japan but it's still more of a norm than it would be in the west is uh is ayumi going to go and stay or uh this kind of gets into some practical issues because our house is a pile of old garbage <laughs> and so the baby's due date is february late february and okay. uh that's going to be right in the middle of some cold times in this house. And uh, it, it just yeah. seems way easier. Uh, her parents built a house just uh, maybe 15 years ago and it's really nice. Like the, um, what's called the Yucadambo, which is the in-floor heating.
1: Oh, and that, super nice. Yeah.
0: Well insulated and really like new and <laughs> modern and it's got enough space. Uh, they also built the house to accommodate sort of two families at once. Um,
1: is, ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, it's another Japanese thing, I think, <laughs> where people think, okay, my, you know, say you build a house and you're middle aged, you're thinking my parents are nearing retirement age and may need like live in help at some point. Yeah. So we can move, you know, the grandparents' generation into another area of our house. So I think the thinking was when they built the house, we'll have a kitchen upstairs and then a small kitchen downstairs. And we'll have, you know, bedrooms upstairs and uh, an extra bedroom downstairs just so one or two people could fully live on a different floor of the house. So that's all ready to go. It's all set up. And, you know, uh, at any moment you could move in with, have your own little kitchen, have your own room and and that sort of thing in a well heated and insulated house. So would you,
1: both of you guys go over there then?
0: There are talks. Yeah. It's being negotiated right now. Okay. My people are looking at it. Um, our people are talking. Yeah. (laughs) So Mm. like, yeah, we could do that, and it may come to that, and really just for the sake of like it being easy and comfortable. As it is in our house now, we've got one wall unit that heats, well, most of the downstairs. We have nothing upstairs, so whatever temperature it is outside, that's the temperature inside of the second floor of Oh, our not house. even
1: like an emergency, like, like oh crap, it's... It's below zero. Like... Yeah, we we have none of that upstairs. We're going downstairs tonight. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to live, follow me downstairs. Uh, and actually, I mean, I think, I don't know how common this is, but in our house, through the really cold months, we kind of abandon the upstairs and we set up shop downstairs almost
1: entirely. I think that's pretty common. Our, we don't do that in our house. Uh-huh. We have the emergency heater on yeah, the wall. That's good. <laughs> But most most nights, we don't even use it. We just have really thick blankets. Mm-hmm. And then our upstairs, our bedroom is above our living area, which has a wood fire stove in it, mm-hmm. which kind of radiates up. Yeah, so our bedroom never even gets that cold, even if it is negative.
0: Yeah, and that pipe goes through your bedroom, doesn't it, from the
1: wood-fired stove? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's nice. We
0: have no such luxury in this place, and we're also renting this place, so there's not much you want to do to like you know put money into it, or that you even could do. But um, the the trouble is, we've got the wall units, and that heats up the downstairs well enough, but it's a very like dry air that comes out and then you often wake up in the night with like a totally dry mouth and throat if you leave that on and i just don't want to navigate the whole newborn baby and then like balancing humidifiers and heaters all in one room and it seems like a massive pain to get through
1: you know thinking about this now japan is kind of a massive pain to raise a kid (laughs) just from like the humid summers where you're gonna die if you go outside too long to the like super cold dry winters where you're gonna die if you go outside <laughs> too long yeah and then like that range of trying to keep your house from molding or drying out yeah it's just yeah and now we've got it we're gonna have a newborn in this situation It just yeah. it kind of scares the crap out of me yeah it's uh it scares me
0: too but then i you know, you realize at any moment that you're the result of thousands of years of people living in, in those sorts of conditions. So there are solutions to it. It's just figuring it all out and then dealing with the excess trouble that comes with doing things like uh, your house has no insulation. Good luck. You can survive it, but it's not going to be fun. Yeah. And uh, I know my, my wife's grandmother has a, an old house. Her house was built before they had electricity in that area. <laughs> so the house was up. And then years later, they came by and said, hey, we're installing electricity. Do you want in on this? And they ran lines to the house. And literally in that house, all of the outlets, like you can see the gray wire stapled to the wall that leads to every switch and every outlet. And it's all exterior wiring on everything. And nice. just knowing that um, even one or two generations ago, that's how everybody
1: was raised. It's like, oh, well, it can be done. It's fine. Yeah. Our yeah. house before we renovated it was almost the exact same way. Oh, yeah. There was, I don't know how they do wattage specifically, but the, the electrician told me that we had half as much power coming into the house as we needed for a modern home. Mm. So when we were upgrading everything, the guy was like, look, you just got to redo all of your electricity and i was like there's like three cables here just take them out yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no big deal yeah
0: spool them up over your arm put in the new ones yeah um i've seen that in the house hunt uh if you check the um the what's it called the breaker box Mm -hmm. uh it'll sometimes be labeled as to how many amps the house is running or whatever the amperage i think mine was 40 now it's oh sometimes i'll see an old house that's <clears throat> at 30 this house is so old I, when we moved in here it was at 30 Damn. and uh when they said uh do you want to upgrade that and we can make it 50 and i was like yeah go for it i don't know how that works but yeah make it 50 and they it was no big deal they made it 50 something magic happened and now we can we've only blown the the breakers a, a handful of times so it's no big deal but Sounds um like- tv microwave fridge like yeah yeah all that stuff you run the dryer and then you're microwaving something and turning on the hot water heater but um yeah so no big deal but um it's all survivable but it's just like how many paces do you want to put yourself through when you've also got the thousand new things you have to learn about how to raise a baby as well right so at the end of that equation it just makes sense because also my wife's parents live in town uh so Mm. even if i uh, do stay in this house most of the time I can ride my bike there or drive there every single day or stay there for you know a week or two at a time and then just come back here to pick up clothes and you know drop things off and that sort of thing so it's pretty low stress and you do get the benefit of two extra parents in the household uh, during the first few months you know helping out with a lot of things yeah i'm sure that will be a help yeah so that may be the way that that shakes out but we're still talking about it gotcha But you guys are going to be, you know, one, one week in the hospital and then right back to the house. eh?
1: Yeah. Which it's kind of crazy to think that she's going to be in the hospital for a week with the baby and I can't go in there or see him at all. Yeah. I'm really hoping things change by the time she gives birth, but I kind of doubt it. Our hospital is super strict in there. Yeah. They don't even let me into the hospital when she has an appointment like i literally just have to stay outside
0: yeah we should say this is like coronavirus measures uh as of november 2021 and these are changing all the time based on the caseload in japan and sort of if you have outbreaks in your area and that sort of thing which we haven't had
1: any around here it's been good for like a week or two it's been at zero
0: yeah yeah it's there's been a lull (laughs) for sure and then the policies tend to lag behind that yeah. Uh, uh My wife goes to a massive hospital for her appointments. And at that hospital, it's that I can go in. It's an enormous hospital, but I can't actually enter the room with her and the doctor uh, as a corona measure to keep the numbers oh. down. So I went with her early on to a series of appointments where it's like, yeah, go see this. Um, go see this doctor and then go to this other department. They'll do a blood sample, then go here and talk to this guy. And at all of those stations, I sat in the hallway and she went into the room and then she would come out, we would walk to the next place and I would sit in that hallway. And that was sort of the nature of it. Um, When
1: you were doing those, how were they, did they record like the ultrasounds for you and that kind of stuff?
0: My wife would record them on her phone, just take a video of it. Oh, really? That's it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's clear enough. I
1: mean, these days it was all really good, and I could get wow. the
0: get the real clear picture.
1: That kind of surprises me. You guys are in a much bigger city than we are. Yeah. But ours has uh, has given us the option to uh, to bring a USB dongle. Oh wow. Are they still called dongles? They may be. <laughs> anyway, so we bring one of those, and they say they can plug it into the machine. Record the ultrasound and then give it back so we can kind of have that for oh, interesting. posterity. But last time they totally messed up. Oh. Like, I don't know if the person was new or just an idiot or something, but they like hit record. It was recording. And then they just yanked the thing out of the machine without hitting stop on the recording. Oh. And obviously I'm not there. Yeah. So I get this thing, and I'm all excited. I plug it into my computer, and they're just like error messages. <laughs> oh. like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's no good. Yeah. I want to say that if uh, if
0: we propose something like that, we could maybe get away with it. But sort of the, uh, the standard operating procedure now is that my wife will take pictures of things as they happen. And they will print off the ultrasound photos like the yeah. old days. You know, get a little, like... Almost Polaroid style picture that comes yeah, out. Yeah, we get that
1: one too. Yeah, but they also forgot that one last time. <laughs> oh, they were just having a bad day. Yeah, that's <laughs> no good. Yeah, I uh,
0: I wanted to say I met up with a guy a couple of months ago, and his wife had had a child. And this was a couple of months back when Corona was quite a lot worse. And so the policy at that time, I don't know if it's the same for all hospitals, for all prefectures, or if it's changed now. If it's lightened up a bit, but. Uh, his wife gave birth and then he wasn't allowed in the delivery room whatsoever. So he was allowed to go be in the waiting room. And then I think after the birth happened, he could go and see the baby, but he was the only one. Oh, that's Uh, cool though. Yeah. No other family. And they also have another child. That child wasn't allowed. It was literally just him as the father. Oh. And then, uh, for the week that she was in, the rule was, um, that he could go in for 30 minutes per day and see her and the baby. And it was a pretty strict time limit. 30 minutes is up. Get out of here, buddy. And uh, you're going to give us Corona after that. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And then every single day he would have to, he had a a two year old, the other child's a two year old you'd have to sort of get somebody to watch the two-year-old for about an hour while he was at the hospital and you know, come out and pick up the kid again.
1: That's that's quite a feat in Japan, finding a babysitter. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know how he managed that. Yeah, it was impressive. <laughs> he may have dropped off with a parent or something, or mm-hmm. grandparents, I mean.
0: But um, he said that it was kind of interesting because he didn't know if his two-year-old understood that there was a new baby. Because like, the two-year-old oh, yeah. couldn't really see the baby face-to-face. You don't know how much a two-year-old is processing anyway. And then they would FaceTime on their phones. But it's like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. And there's a kid there. But I don't know what the relationship is. you know. I don't know. It's probably just YouTube to that kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, he was never fully sure. But, you know, that was a couple months ago. Now they're all living together. And I'm sure it's, it's sunk in for everyone. But uh, it was a very bizarre kind of beginning to that new baby. Are,
1: are they in this region? Are they in yeah. Karazawa? Yeah, yeah. Kind so of you'll Zawa. probably have that similar experience.
0: I assume so. But, um, you know, depending on how the... The winter goes, uh, regulations could lighten up a little bit and it might be a bit
1: freer by that time
0: or could get worse and could be a lot stricter by that time. Like, who knows?
1: Yeah, you, you don't really know what the winter is going to do. You were mentioning before about uh, workplace and your co-workers and stuff. Have you told everyone there? Yes, we had. Uh,
0: this was kind of a weird experience. Um, you have, to, you know, at some point you're going to break the news. You want to wait until you're at that certain number of weeks when it's basically 99% safe, you know, because in the early going, there's always a higher risk of miscarriage and everybody, you know, abides by this rule. They don't, you know, make a big announcement until you're a few months in. And, uh, that time came and went, and I still hadn't really told all of my coworkers. (laughs) And then, uh you know, we have meetings and stuff and you can always get your name on the miscellaneous at the end of a meeting and then make an announcement at, at oh, the okay. end of like a, of a meeting. But then there were sort of, you know, uh, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. That was my, you know, decision or kind of my opinion is like, uh, let's just be totally safe. Just about in this. Case. Yeah. yeah. So I pushed it back, you know, pretty well beyond the, the safe cutoff time. And we went well beyond that. And I just did the announcement a couple of days ago. Um, the thing that made it weird was uh, like in all offices, like meetings are basically done by Zoom and I do most of my business by Zoom these days Yeah. and my computer's fine. Zoom is fine. I'm like a Zoom guru at this point, having <laughs> dealt with it daily for a year and a half. And this meeting for this big announcement when I'm like, man, this is massive. I only do this maybe once in my life. Yeah. Uh, the Internet... Like in my workplace, not even at home on my crazy Wi-Fi or anything. It was horrible. And so I could only hear about 50% of what anybody was saying at any given time. They're, they would just totally cut out. Everyone was frozen. And so I was looking at like 20 frozen faces on Zoom. But I, I knew that I was still on because uh, I would, you know, catch like 10 seconds of what somebody was saying. And then I would get 10 seconds of silence. And then 10 seconds again. And wow. every, every minute, like the images on the screen would, you know, refresh themselves That's or whatever. Horrible. So then it came time for me to announce. And I was like not knowing if I could even be heard. And I was in a half panic. And I uh, I said, can you can you hear me? Because i was, I was looking at like <laughs> 20 frozen screens and uh, somebody gave me a thumbs up or something. And I was like, OK, so I announced. And uh, also, it's funny because there's not a lot to say. It's a massive thing. But then you say, like, we're going to have a baby. Next order of business. like There's nothing that can really be said. I said, uh, you know, it's uh, the due date is this. And we've uh, they've told us the gender is this. And that's it. So uh, that's all. Take it yeah. easy. And I said this to absolute silence. And no facial responses, like nothing at all. And I wasn't fully sure that it was actually going out. Oh, I was only so yeah, <laughs> half confident. And it was kind of like a fun... It is fun to tell people. Yeah. Because people get excited yeah. and like, it's a nice moment every time. And this was just speaking into a void of nothing. Oh, that's horrible. And afterward, it was good. People came up to me individually and said like, oh, congratulations or sent me emails or or what have you. Uh, So that was really good on a one-to-one basis after. I was kind of looking forward to the the big reveal in the meeting. It was all almost for nothing because I couldn't get any feedback. Did you tell your boss first and then tell the group or was this just a blanket surprise? Yeah, I think this is like, uh, this is something everybody will have to navigate for themselves. But um, in many ways, your boss will need to know before even your parents would need to know or before anyone in your personal life would need to know. Probably not for your case. Uh, you work remotely all the
1: time. Yeah, no, my I, I still work for a company in America. So all my, all my bosses are American. And-
0: yeah. Like especially in my wife's case, uh, her job will sometimes involve some business travel right, or um, long amounts of time like being outside in the elements or any number of things that would be difficult for a pregnant person to do. And so very early on, before we announced to anyone, I think the first people we sort of had to tell were my wife's bosses. To say like, hey, I can't do this and I can't do this uh-huh. other thing next week, and the reason is <laughs> right. that I'm pregnant. Like, reluctantly telling them, and then, uh, but I feel bad about that because it's like I want to tell some coworkers yeah. before I'm telling family, but it's
1: almost a necessity. We definitely did not tell them first. I still haven't told my work. I'm kind of waiting till maybe closer to the holidays, like uh-huh. Christmas ish. I don't. I don't know if I'm paranoid or if. Yeah, maybe a little paranoid. Just, I don't want to do it yet. We talked about it last week in the IVF episode, but um,
0: we had, like, unsuccessful rounds of treatment in the beginning. And we mentioned the numbers. You're on your second go-around, and uh, we're on our sixth. Right. And so, um, I don't know if you had this sink in as much as we did, but you sort of, you do a round of fertility treatments, and then the result is not good. And then you have to like, get through that emotionally. And then you do the next round, and the result is not good. And then the third and the fourth and the fifth are all not good. And you start to learn the lesson of Oh, it's a bad result every time. So then to suddenly switch modes into like confident mode is very difficult to do, like on the you know, the sixth go around. So then I really, you know, on a On the personal level as a couple, you don't want to start like hyping each other up all the time with excitement because you both feel a little hesitant to do that. And you don't want to set yourself up for an even bigger letdown based on all the hope you had going in. We kind of naturally played it a bit cool. Um, We're both, you know, personally
1: excited about it, but we're trying not to overhype it to one another, I guess. Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to my not planning yet as well Mm -hmm. that kind of a little bit of fear a little bit of overly cautiousness i don't want to jinx it yeah go out buy a crib and then you get some bad news yeah because last time i did go out like we got news like it was like eight weeks in nine weeks in or something and i was like sweet all right i went on amazon i was like i'm gonna buy some clothes and some stuff and i got some stuff and then we got horrible news so i was like i'm kind of gun shy yeah about that right now,
0: and also the more people you tell, then the more people if it if it does go bad, then the more people you have to inform. <coughs>
1: that, yeah that we're we did fed. that mistake as well, and so we haven't told as many,
0: yeah, and then you get uh i think it it's pretty natural, but you like mentally you're gun shy, but it gets past the point of rationality because mm. at a certain point in a pregnancy, I think it's what is it around twelve weeks, thirteen weeks or something. I think that's the number.
1: Yeah, they say 12 weeks. It's, what is it, 75%, 80%? Yeah. And then if you let that go Mm -hmm. another
0: few weeks, it increases to like a 99% certainty or something around. Again, you know, please check the numbers, verify, but it's like 14, 15, 16 weeks or something. You're at that 99% certainty level. So then everything scientifically is telling you like, this is nearly a sure thing now. going to be okay but still mentally you've got all that baggage from the previous rounds and i I think that's what delayed me in telling the work and what delayed me in sort of every step of the way basically you always want to hedge your bets a little bit but then at a certain point you do want to also experience the enthusiasm and the like the sheer joy of the whole process so hopefully and now that we're you know like halfway through more than halfway through the pregnancy I'm kind of in that mode a little bit more securely I'm
1: feeling I'm feeling more confident for sure it's just the back of my mind it's always going to be there I think have you guys gone over any naming stuff yet because you know the sex now yes
0: we do and i guess i can reveal they tell us it's a boy nice hey either way would be nice but (laughs) yeah this is it's another thing that um i was talking to this i was talking to a friend about this recently you know that they're going to tell you boy or girl and there are exceptional circumstances i'm sure but in general you're going to hear it's a boy or it's a girl right and then you go into that thinking well i don't really care either way Right. You know, it, it's fine. I'll be happy with the boy, happy with the girl. And then when they tell you the one that it's going to be, it's massively exciting anyway. And it's like the day before you're, you're hear, you're like, well, I don't really care which one. And yeah. the, it's like if somebody says, I'm going to flip a coin. And you're like, okay, heads, tails doesn't matter to me. And then it's tails. And you're like,
1: yeah, tails, baby. Yeah. You know, you still get this like <laughs> high level of excitement. Uh, but it's like, it's winning anything, basically. Yeah, At that yeah. point, like, they're giving you a gender for it. It doesn't matter which one it is, but they're telling you, like, yep, it's successful, and at this point, here's where we're at, and you're like, yes!
0: Yeah, it's good. Next stage. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way, but it is like a confirmation
1: of... Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking about it. Yeah,
0: and you are yet to know. It's going to come soon. Yeah,
1: we have uh, three more days, then we go in for our next appointment, and they're telling us they're likely to find out then.
0: They say that if it's a boy you know straight away, sometimes... (laughs) if it looks to be a girl maybe it's a boy but they are just obscuring an uh, important piece of anatomy that would determine that it's a boy so a girl is sometimes like indeterminate but then the boy is like okay yeah visual yeah. confirmation that's
1: a boy <clears throat> yeah i've been i've actually been given this a lot of thought i don't really care I was thinking, like, does it even matter to find out? And, like, coming up with names and that kind of thing, I've been kind of going back and forth to myself. Like, what kind of, you know, should I pick a boy's name? Should it be, like, a both name? Does it matter? Yeah. And I I still don't know. I'm kind of, I'm on the fence. Moe, Moe's kind of the same. She doesn't really care. I don't know. Have you guys, do you have a strong opinion?
0: For me, it's, this is the age-old problem, naming a kid who's going to kind of exist in two <coughs> cultures. You, you kind of want that name that bridges the gap, so yeah. you don't want to choose a crazy long name in either language, English right. or Japanese, because then it's punishing the family of the other culture, you know? Yeah. So, um, like, uh, if you named your kid, like, Toranosuke or something, then your, <laughs> your grandmother in America is never going to wrap her mind around that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, if you name your kid, uh, like, I don't know. I had an aunt named, I mean, a distant aunt named Fabezolette. What? <laughs> and it's a combination of Phoebe and Elizabeth and Charlotte. And I never met this person. This was in the old days. Oh, my God. But there is a <laughs> Fabezolette. And uh, I love that name, but there's no chance you would choose Fabezolette and then You know, throw that into the katakana machine and get 45 characters out of it. Oh, no. Yeah. So you don't want to go crazy and and punish either side. So then by default, everybody chooses a really short name. You need like maybe three letters, four letters or something. Yeah. And just in Japanese, one or two sounds. And then it'll be easy enough. But then the trouble is that's the pool that every like interracial couple chooses from. Right. And so then all among all your friends, they have kids and all those names are gone already. Uh, So a lot of the common names, I mean, well, Ken is actually one. It works perfectly in both languages, but nobody chooses Ken for some reason. I don't know any little kids.
1: Yeah, I don't know any young people named Ken. It seems to be an older generation name. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably in both, like a Margaret. Yeah. Yeah, it has that sound. I
0: think in Japanese as well. And in English. Um, And uh, I noticed in the U.S., I was looking at the top thousand baby names, like, based on, uh, you know, who's filed their names with the government. They published that list in the U.S. Yeah, I've looked... Yeah, and uh, I scrolled through all thousand, said them all out loud, and uh, I noticed Kai is really popular in the U.S. Really popular. And it's also a very easy Japanese sound. Kai makes total sense in Japanese. Yeah. But then you're choosing, uh, I've got friends with kids named Kai, and then it's uh, you're getting into popular name territory, and you kind of want to choose something off the beaten trail, I guess. We have,
1: we have two mutual friends. Both with their boys named Kai. Yeah, loads of Kais around. <laughs> so, so I, that's definitely off the table for me if I have a boy. Yeah,
0: there's a uh, uh, good Japanese girl's name is Erika, which is strangely... Um, I
1: actually know quite a few Erika girls in Japan. Yeah, and it's just E-R-I-K-A.
0: It's a good Erica. name. Yeah. Yeah, that's off the table too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, um, I meant, uh, I, I know someone named, this is a Japanese name that was kind of new to me for a girl, but it's Judy like spelled j-u-r-i and oh then judy sounds like julie yeah uh, so that's a possibility but again i know someone named that and so it's hard to just you know to name your kid something and be like hey yeah we named our kid your name when you're telling that person right <laughs> so uh, it's always awkward but there's all obviously like um leo is one that's popular between the two we've got a friend with a kid named leo yeah um there is uh I mean, just go through all your. I friends, think Leo kids names.
1: Leo seems like a troublesome name because it could yeah. be Rio. Yeah, because the katakana or hiragana, whatever you choose to use for it, is kind of indistinguishable.
0: Yeah, there's Dio and Diol and various ways in Japanese. Yeah, and uh, I have a friend who wow. even cautions against the two-way name because he says that it's so close, but it's not exact in the two languages most of the time. And then that opens the door to its own type of confusion,
1: like oh yeah, or I mean, the kid could grow up and never feel like they have a foot in either. I mean, you could be opening like a whole bunch of psychological rooms <laughs> with that oh, identity, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think you know, like I've got uh, some Taiwanese friends and Chinese friends, and it's common in those cultures to um, sort of have your uh, your name in your native language and then just choose a fully different western name yeah so i guess there are cultures where just like a full-on double name is commonplace
1: yeah Um, i don't i I don't understand how they don't get confused all the time (laughs) it seems confusing somebody's calling a name and you're like oh wait that's me
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it
1: must be a transition period in the beginning
0: yeah yeah, uh but it seems to work so i guess that should be okay but anyway we've um my my brother-in-law, I should point out, uh, when we told the family chat that we're gonna have a boy, he said, uh, Tim Duncan Whittinghill. Perfect. Just go <laughs> Tim Duncan, <laughs> greatest power forward of all time, big Spurs <laughs> fan over here. So uh could be Tim Duncan Whittinghill, and that really stuck. And now we call the child Tim Duncan. So I think it's good to have uh like, you know, During the pregnancy, have a name that you're not married to, but some way to refer to the baby with a proper noun
1: seems nice
0: to me. So we call the kid Timmy or Tim Duncan, but I'm also worried that it's going to have too much momentum and then I'll actually have to call the child Tim Duncan, which is very bizarre as a name, I think just one
1: word just most of them together tim duncan <laughs> yeah tim duncan <laughs> spell it all as one word man that could be good that's the out actually tim's not bad especially if you kind of stretch it
0: there's uh yeah you'll get into the trouble of a lot of people would want to change the ti to a C-H-I that's true and go chi uh but then you could spell it with the T and the small e and you could get a good t sound but yeah. then you've got those small sort of uh katakana letters you have to mix in but yeah You know, there's, it's always, it's like nothing lines up perfectly. So you're always going to have trouble.
1: Yeah. This actually, this actually kind of lines up perfectly with the segment I want to cover today. So if you don't mind, yeah, can we jump over to Japanese of the day? Yeah, please. I know we've covered a lot so far, but I have a a specific gripe I want to get to. Yeah. And uh, this isn't baby related or pregnancy related or anything. This is just living in Japan Uh and the frustrations that go along with it. Yeah. I want to say a week ago. I was at a kombini, and they have, on the counter, they have a rack with steamed buns cooking mm-hmm. all the time. In Japan, they're called Nikuman, but they also make one that has like pizza sauce and cheese inside of it. Yeah. And it's just called a Pizzaman. Yeah. Or, as is properly said by the Japanese, pizaman. Yeah. And so there's a slight distinction there. Yeah. So I was in the store trying to order some of those and I was like, one Pizzaman, please. Uh-huh. And I said this all in Japanese, what I thought was perfect. Yeah. I said, hitotsu pizza man onegaishimasu. The lady looked at me like I was speaking English to her. Yeah. I swear to God. She looked at me like, what? And I was like, I went over to the thing and I was like, pizza man, One. <laughs> pointing at it directly. <laughs> pointing at it directly. She still looked at me like I was an idiot. And I was like, what the fuck am I, what am I saying wrong here? <laughs> like, yeah. And then my wife was with me at the time because she was trying to let me practice Japanese, so she wasn't saying anything. Yeah. So finally, the she torture. says. Finally, she says to the lady, she's like, "Ah, pizza man, onegaishimasu." Huh. And she, and the lady behind the counter was like, "Ah, oh, hi, okay. okay." And I was like, "I was like, what the hell did you say? Different." <laughs> she's like, "It's not pizza man. It's pizaman." And in in katakana, the way that they break the word pizza down is to put it in. He and sa with the two kind of diacritic yeah, marks that go along with those to change them to P and za. Yeah. So it's not sa, it's za. Yeah. And if you say it any other way, nobody will understand
0: what you're <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, um, Just to ramp up the complexity one degree on that is if you go to an Italian restaurant these days it's getting more and more common for them to really try to get that Italian pronunciation on the menu. And they'll write it in Katakana as pizza.
1: Oh no. And they're like
0: trying to nail it down. (laughs) And so I've been in the last few years, I'll be in a restaurant that's trying to lean hard on the Italian and it'll say pizza for whatever. And uh, I'm like, wait, 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 isn't this pizza? And then my wife explains to me, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like the Italian pizza, not the American pizza. And so we'll call it a pizza pizza. And uh, oh, so the pizza man is American. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I guess it's like the original, you know, like whenever pizza came over, whoever said it the first time and they put it in katakana, they went Pi- pizza. But pizza is gaining some ground. So now you've got a little bit of both. I you, feel
1: like anybody who came over here probably said pizza. Yeah, pizza. And then. I can't imagine any. Buddy coming over to japan and not saying pizza yeah i don't know who transcribed it on maybe Bitcoin. they had a lisp or something and the guy
0: was like oh okay pizza oh wow what a what an alternate history that would make like <laughs> the guy who introduces all english words to japan had a speech impediment and i feel like yeah, that's the might, case sometimes. it might have been the case uh i wanted to point out just speaking of katakana um katakana can be a minefield for people who don't know this is the Uh, script. It's technically a syllabary, but you might also call it an alphabet. Uh, It's like the type of lettering used to signify words that were adopted from other languages. Uh, There's nothing like this in English. Obviously, English just has an alphabet and you use that to make words. But Japanese famously has kanji and hiragana and katakana. Those are the three main alphabets they or, also
1: have romaji.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah, romaji which is
1: our alphabet but uh I guess with its own pronunciation spins. I don't know why they have to have that and the katakana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh it's it's wacky. And the um the hiragana and Katakana are syllabaries. They're, you know, sound representative characters. The kanji is what's called a logography, which is like, you know, <laughs> characters like you see in Chinese. never course. heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. We're going deep here. <laughs> wow. But uh, katsukana is relatively simple looking, and it's quite angular, and usually, uh, like the English alphabet, each character is only a couple of strokes or a couple of lines. Yeah,
1: I think in in... in america when i've seen japanese it's typically the katakana characters yeah because they look more appealing yeah to be written yeah they look
0: cool like it as a typeface or yeah. something and in america you'd probably be having a lot of that overlap anyway with like uh you know they're advertising something that is right. maybe american so then they would use it in katakana but um for anybody who's already familiar with katakana one thing that blows my mind is uh not too long ago uh vu became a thing you know there's famously problems with b and v uh oh. in japanese like the b and v are sort of meshed into one and so it's like the rl distinction b and right. v is also very difficult but um i was looking this up just a, a little bit of a dive earlier sometimes you'll see instead of um like bobby bube bowl which is you know kind of a hybrid b and a v for all of the vowel sounds uh they'll take the ooh, the Katakana for u, and they'll put the ten-ten, like the two little marks, like it looks like a quotation mark, close quotation mark or something in English. So an ooh with that little ten-ten is a vu. And ooh. it's like a relatively newly adopted thing. And I was wondering why is this almost never seen, but sometimes seen, you know, sometimes they would use boot, but sometimes you will see a vu. And, uh, I read that in 1954, there's a group in Japan called the Council for Japanese Language. And they made the decision at that time to favor the Bobby Bube bo version. Oh, sounds- <laughs> they set it in stone. <laughs> but then in 1991, they reversed their decision and said that to more accurately represent the foreign sound of a V, you can use the VU, and then you can put a lowercase or a very small you know, like, you can get a va or something out but of it. But
1: now you've already messed up, like, six generations. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, so <man. laughs> they went back and forth on it, which is why you sometimes see it, but you don't see it in other times. And then the real problem is that Japanese doesn't have a clear, like, a word in Japanese that would have a vu. Right. They would, might, might have a bu here and there, but they don't have a vu. So then when you're teaching children their katakana in the beginning... You would have to teach them this character for which there is no word. And it's already covered by boo in a lot of things like, or, you
1: know, violin or something. Yeah, this has come up quite a bit actually recently with coronavirus because uh, yeah. vaccine. Uh, yeah. This has thrown me in so many conversations I've had. I've been like, yeah, I got my vaccine. Yeah. I'm like, are you? And I'm trying to say, convey this in Japanese. I'm, I'm trying to say vaccine. Yeah. Nobody understands what I'm saying. Yeah, again. Yeah, and isn't it <laughs> this uh, is like a daily recurrence for me?
0: <laughs> yeah, for vaccine, this might be like German somehow, but it's a so, uh, wa at the beginning. This is more Japanese of the day. Wakchin is vaccine, which is supposed to be the same word, but it's quite different. Quite different. So anyway, yeah, someday they might change it to "vaccine" or "vaccine" or something, but I don't know. Because they lean hard into the German.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they could. <laughs>
0: nuclear <laughs> vessels star trek anybody so he was, anyway he was czech though oh he was yeah anyway 1954 they went with bobby bubebo 1991 they reversed course and went with vu but there's no correlative like japanese sound for vu so they tend not to teach children that so nobody learns about this hidden vu katakana And that's why we're sort of stuck with the boo in most cases. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's Japanese of the day.
1: We may or may not have
0: time for my question for you is?
1: Uh, We do have some time for that. But um, sitting here, I've totally lost my question for you. Okay. But I do have questions. Okay. That we could get into. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to run down the list of questions that I've come up with. Japanese parents don't say the word I love you to their kids. How do the Japanese perceive other cultures that do? I, you know, like we're already two dads, like mostly talking
0: about what our wives are going through Right. (laughs) Right. to be two foreign guys talking about what most Japanese (laughs) people are thinking.
1: I can't wrap my mind around it. I, I'm not going to even try to answer that. How would they perceive it? I have no idea how they would perceive it. Yeah. But I know that I don't experience a lot of Japanese people that I know saying, I love you. Yeah. And I've, I have don't think I've ever heard any of their kids say it to them. Yeah. The ones that I've hung, hung out with. Yeah. So I know that it's a thing.
0: Well, my take on a lot of like often repeated things, you know, I love you in certain settings is like very significant and important. But then I love you in other contexts is like, <coughs> that's what I say every day when I leave the house. And it ultimately becomes kind of a goodbye, like mentally. Yeah. Know? It's more significant you wouldn't say it to your coworker, But I think, like, there are things that probably cover up for this. It's almost, I don't know, I might be getting too far into the weeds, but, you know, the classic Japanese, like, genki desu ka, you would naturally want to translate as, how are you? But genki, you know, means being, like, vigorous and full of energy. Right. So, if you directly translate it, it's saying, like, are you full of energy? But nobody would ever directly translate it that way. They would say "How are you?" And right? I'd do the same sort of um, what's called socio-pragmatic legwork, where it's like, "How is it used in actual speech?" Yeah,
1: I know. I know the actual Japanese for "I love you," but it's it sounds very weird when yeah. you hear people say it.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, it's similar to how like every Western person knows "Sayonara." Japanese people tend to never say sayonara. You never hear it. Yeah, no. it's always an otsukaresama or matane yeah, or because ja mata. Sayonara
1: is very permanent. Yeah, it's, very, it's like
0: goodbye. I'm never going to see you. Again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might, like you should picture somebody waving a handkerchief on a train platform as it right. pulls out of the station or something right. to use sayonara. Anyway, yeah, so there are certain words, I think, that they are useful in some contexts, not useful in other contexts. And maybe just the I love you doesn't slot in well anywhere.
1: And that about wraps it up for today, I think. We're uh, about out of time. So thank you for making it this far and listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on Twitter at Podcast or via email at info at thejpops.com. Hi, Hi. see you later. See ya.